This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, Get Booked listeners. Welcome to The Hand Cell, a special weekly installment of Get Booked that's all about books that we just can't resist shouting about. This is Amanda Nelson, and today's Hand Cell is The Memory Police by Yoko Ogawa, translated by Stephen Snyder and Marcus Jeslin. Let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. At She wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. I bought the Memory Police last year. Nope, two years ago. Nope, three years ago? What year is it? I bought it in 2020. (laughs) Uh, And as I'm recording, it is still 2021, but this episode is going up in 2022. So, you know, time literally has no meaning here. I bought this the year it was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize, which is in 2020. And I'm just now getting around to it. You know, one of those stories where it just sits on your shelf forever. But I'm so glad that I had it because when I was in the mood for it, when the mood finally struck, it was it was there and exactly what I wanted to read. So this is a dystopian sci-fi novel that is unlike any 
dystopian novel. Maybe it's it's kind of most similar to the atmosphere of The Giver, I think. It's it's not fast-paced, it's not urgent, it's not frenetic, there's not a lot of violence. It's just quietly sad and unsettling and weird. And most of the violence happens off the page, but you know that it's happening in similar ways to The Giver. Unlike The Giver, this is not a children's book. So it takes place on an unnamed island off of coast of a country. You don't really know which one. I assumed it was Japan. And the the inhabitants of the island have just kind of accepted that things disappear from time to time, along with their memories of those things. So the memory police are the uh, governmental authority that decide what objects need to disappear and then persecute people who can still remember those things. So they have disappeared, for example, ribbons, perfume, certain kinds of fruit. There seems to be no rhyme or reason. And that's one of the most unsettling things about this book is that there is no explanation given for what things are are disappeared, quote unquote, and 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 why. Like you're not give, ever given any reason. Some of them make sense. Like they, they get rid of memories of boats because they live on an island and they don't want people to leave. So that scans. They, eventually they get rid of memories of books. And that's like a whole thing because our main character is an author. So she's a novelist. And um, she, like everyone else, accepts things. They wake up one day, they get an unsettling feeling, they know something has gone, and then they have to go out and figure out what it is. And the way that the memories disappear is really interesting because the things go, like when flowers disappear, they're all tossed into the river by the people. So it's not like the objects themselves are suddenly gone, although that does start happening later in the book, but the people wake up with this feeling that this thing has now been disappeared or has been decided upon by the memory police, and then they get rid of it themselves. Like when books disappear, the citizens burn the books that they have in their homes. And then over time, the memories of what that object was fades. So even if they encounter books in the wild, so to speak, after that, they will cease to recognize what the thing is. There are people who maintain their ability to remember things. And these are people who are hunted down by the memory police and some and taken to some undisclosed location and treated in some undisclosed way, though they are never seen again. The woman who is a novelist, our main character, her editor, who is beloved, turns out to be one of these people whose memories never left. And so she hides him. She builds a little house or a little room in her house in between like the first and second story and puts him in there. And there he stays for months and months and months he misses the birth of his son um, and he just lives in this space as more and more objects begin to disappear and then it moves from objects to like body parts and then it starts getting a little more horrifying but it never the tone of the book never reaches frantic like you would think (laughs) that after a certain point like when maybe your food or your medicine or you know your fingers start going away people would start to panic or rebel but that never really happens. It's really a book about like the quiet ways that societies accept more and more persecution and more and more marginalization and oppression. And how really it's it's about frog boiling. Like we get frog boiled as more and more rights are taken away from societies at large. So it's unsettling in that way. And I'm sure we'll feel kind of familiar um, the things that Ogawa is saying that we should, as you know, people be on the lookout for from from people in charge. The memory police are almost robotic in this book, which was something that I did struggle with. Is that they they're not humanized at all, so it's kind of hard to get at a motive for them. Which is again one of the more unsettling pieces of this book is that you don't know why. You don't know why things are being taken. You don't know how they're picking it. The memory police don't offer any real explanation um, or justification. They move and really. Uh, like efficient and highly trained ways. It's just 
surreal. It's totally surreal and almost reads like a fairy tale in that way. So definitely worth checking out. That is The Memory Police by Yoko Agawa, translated by Steven Snyder and Marcus Juslin. You can hear me talking faster because my dog has started to bark. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who edits out all of the times that my dog starts to bark. Thank you so much. Thank all of you for listening. You can find more recommendations at bookriot.com and more podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Email us at getbooked at bookriot.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and you can find us online. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson and we will be back on Thursday. Thursday.